Okay, gang, gang, gang. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Fourth Wall, the p -p 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 podcast. My, <laughs> my name is Elena Newell. And my name is Abigail Brazier. Today, we sit down with someone absolutely amazing and wonderful to talk to. You first saw her on stage in New York at the 2018 Jimmy Awards, and then later as Regina George in Mean Girls on the Broadway. Elena, who is that? That is Miss Renee Rapp, okay? And spell Renee right. You better get the little accent above the second E, okay? Ah, oh, she is so great. Today we talked to Renee about what it means to be an ally and especially how artists as white artists and white women specifically can use their privilege for good and be a true ally and not just have the title of ally. Because I was just telling Gail, I feel like ally is a word that's given out too freely. And I think ally is something you really have to earn. You really have to do the work of being an ally before you can just claim it. And I think she is a prime example of someone who is a full ally and uses ally to the fullest extent of the definition. Oh, absolutely. We get into, you know, what even is being an ally? What does that mean to her? What does it mean to us? And our black friends and family are exhausted, you guys. They're so tired. So we just like, how do we find the courage and the strength to let them rest and carry the chore? the torch and use our allyship as a tool for teamwork, you know, without holding it over anybody by using it for good and, you know, making our friends and family know that they're loved and seen and having the courage to have really difficult conversations when it's needed. Yes. Yes. So we hope you guys enjoy this. This blah, blah, blah. So we hope you guys enjoy this beautiful. <laughs> Whoa, Elena, one more time. So we hope you enjoy this beautiful conversation with this beautiful person and this beautiful human being, Miss Renee Rapp. Let's get to it. Woo! Oh, yeah. Okay, so we're not gonna do intros because we're already we already spent ten minutes gushing about you in the intro. So you don't you just you wait and see how that sounds. Um, uh, <laughs> but we're just gonna get into our first question, which is when were you first made aware of your whiteness and your privilege as a white person, and when is the first time you can remember using it as an ally? Yeah. So when I was when I was younger, essentially, I always like I always tell people that I feel like I grew up in in such a utopia specifically because I got to reap the benefits of black culture from with my friends, and I would go home to my like white privileged household and not have to reap the consequences that comes with that existence right yeah so yeah. i noticed really really young um probably from the time that i was like in middle school that that something something was different and of course i wasn't old enough to really understand what it was so then fast forward to when i got into high school um i there's this place in um burkdale which is this like little like sort of hang out, I guess, in, in Huntersville. Can you believe it? Um, it's literally, it. what a mess, but we love it. Um, <laughs> so I remember going to, there's a sandwich shop there and there would always be cops in the sandwich shop or like right outside. And I remember I would used to, you know, take my little brother all the time who looks exactly like me 
Um, and you know, everything was like fine and dandy, totally normal. And I used to then go back to Witch Witch with my best friend, Justin. And when we would walk in there, I always used to just notice, like, I was like the, I don't even know if this is like right to say, but like the energy was totally different. The energy was totally different and being young and, um, confused, right. About it. Um, I actually selfishly was like, and anxiety wise was like, oh my God, I'm ugly today. Like, can you believe it? Like, I literally thought I was like, I was like, shit, like people are looking at me because like, I look disgusting or like, I'm so weird and blah, blah. And then it kind of clicked later on. I was like, oh no, no, no. Yeah. Like, I was like, Hey, that's selfish. Um, to assume because actually those cops are looking at us differently because my best friend is a black man. So it, um, it, it hit me like really young and, and at a really weird time, um, because frankly, I was young enough to be like, whoa, but I was old enough to understand that there were a lot of things that I had missed and I was Mm. never aware of because we're taught that this is normal and this is normal and this is normal and this is what you do and this is what you say. And until you know, you don't know. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So it took me, it took me up until I was like early on in high school to really understand actually what it was. So when you were able to acknowledge what that was, um, What was the journey of realizing the difference there and then acknowledging your allyship and working from like acknowledging the difference to, okay, I'm going to use this now for good. Sure. Well, I think uh, to be, I mean, to be quite honest, like I recognized a lot in high school, um, but honestly, I've, I've recognized more in the last like six months than I think I ever have in my entire life. Right. Because growing up, I always thought like, Oh, like there's absolutely no way that I could have like any sort of like racial bias. Like I'm always going to be the person to like stand up to it, or I'm always going to be the person to be like, no, like I'll check, you know, <laughs> like I've, I'm, I've never been afraid to like check somebody on that. Cause we shouldn't be, cause it's not a fearful thing. It's a, it's a conversation that needs to be had and will get easier as they continue to happen. Um, but I realized in the last like six months, there's probably been, and I, and I know for a fact, there has been so many things that I have either been blind to or not understood or struggled to understand that actually perpetuate systemic racism specifically and microaggressions, which are such a present form of racism that I actually didn't really think about until recently. Because to me, as a white girl, we're taught in school, um, that racism is slavery and racism is da 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 and racism is this and this is it cut out in a little box and actually there are so many minute layers that go into racism and what those different microaggressions or or systemic um like prophecies that have been put in place before i was even thought of exist today um that they're not going to teach you about in school obviously because we essentially live in a supremacist ridden and infested world right now. Um, so it, it, I think like in terms of like my allyship or whatever that looks like, um, I, I think that it's really important to, to note for me and for people that look like me that allyship is not something that you get a fucking cookie for. 
A. It's not something that you ever like wrap up in a little bow. It's not something that you're like, oh yes, thank God. And then I read this article and now I'm an ally and now I'm good. It's not that. It is a daily fight. It is a day. It is, it is honestly, it's something that I'm realizing too, that I just have to incorporate into my existence. Right. Especially as an artist, because I, I, you know, as artists, we care so deeply about like everything that we do. Right. Rightfully so. So this just has to be one of those things, because if you care, then it needs to be, it's, it's like a, it's a moral value. Cause also on a totally different note, I've heard the argument from so many different people, like, oh my God, you're being so political or like, can you not be so political? And, you know, it is, it is not political. Like to a certain degree, it's been made political. Absolutely. And like, do we need to vote 100 effing percent? But it's a humanity issue. It, it, it is, it is an issue of life or death. It's humanity. It is not, it is not just politics clear cut. This is not a difference of opinion. This is not, I'm, I, I really, really do struggle when people are like, well, we can just agree to disagree. I'm like, actually, like, I don't feel comfortable disagreeing on like human lives and which one of those are more valuable to you. Um, so I think, I don't know. I think I learn more and more about trying to be an ally every day. I think I make more mistakes on trying to be an ally every single day. Um, and it, I've probably made more mistakes in the last two months than I've probably ever made in my life because now all of a sudden I'm like, oh shit, I need to really zone in on this. Cause like my like black colleagues and friends have to live this every day. Um, and I haven't. Like I said, like I was able to live in a utopia and reap the benefits of black culture and what that means and not have to deal with the actual thing, the consequences, so to speak, that our society puts on black culture, right? Which is ridiculous, but um, it's, it's true. So I think, I think um, it's just, it's an ever changing thing for me and an ever growing thing. And um, I started, I think, to to grow more so in the last couple months when I acknowledge that like, oh fuck, I've made so many mistakes as we all have, right? But so many mistakes um, that that can easily be corrected. So, yeah. I also think you need like a certain amount of grace with yourself and with other people because I recently reposted something um, and it was like showing you all the main casting teams that cast Broadway shows and like they were majority white teams. And one of my friends swiped up one of my white friends and was like, oh, my God, I did not even think about this kind of category. What the heck? And I was like, girl, like white supremacy is ingrained into our system. You're supposed to not notice. You're supposed to not think that there's something wrong with that. And like. That's not your fault that you didn't catch it originally because unless someone's telling you what to look for, you're not going to see it. And so there's no point beating yourself up about like, oh, dang, I didn't even know this. I'm so behind as an ally. It's like, no, you're supposed to learn in the moment and then correct as you go, you know? Exactly. Yes. It's almost like the education system and the way that kids are taught from the beginning, especially in our public school system, was built by and for the people who are in the position of oppression and have power over the people that they want to oppress, you know, like it's, they say the winner writes the history books and we're finding out more and more that there were literally groups that wrote textbooks after the civil war simply for the purpose of, you know, ingraining these biases into white children so that they grow up with this understanding of race, maybe not the implicit understanding of 
the racial dynamic, but growing up feeling that they are better than right people of color. Well, and I think too, that's the whole, that's the whole thing where like, you know, I, I'm, I'm lucky that like in my life, I am like a from North Carolina. So like, that's a, that's a whole like different boat because we have so many different, uh, so many different, I, I don't, I won't even say opinions because again, like it's, it's not a difference of opinion, but we have so many different um, ideals, I guess. And like, what's important to us amongst so many people in North Carolina. And a huge thing that I literally always hear, always hear all the time especially, you know, growing up, like, in school systems and blase blase, is that, is the argument of, like, oh, well, like, black on black crime, or, like, oh, well, like, but don't you see that, like, da-da-da-da-da, right, and there's, like, a comeback to, hey, this is wrong, black bodies are specifically being targeted, and then there's some sort of comeback to that with, well, there's black on black crime, or, well, there's da-da-da, which actually, I don't think that those people understand that is a that is a direct example of how like racist aggressions come into the conversation because of what we're taught in schools right we're taught in schools that like okay the american dream or whatever the fuck that looks like that is pretty much specifically like for the white and white man and woman who are like cis hetero follow the you know whatever beaten path so those those comebacks are actually aggressions. Those are actually racist remarks, right? They don't think, they think that that's logic because that's what they've been taught to do by the system, by the environment that we live in as white human beings, right? But in reality, that is the perpetuation of the issue. That's, it's just like being silent and, and letting everything go by and, you know, ignoring it and being comfortable in that privilege and being like, oh, well, you're telling me that I'm doing something wrong. Well, I'm not going out and killing people. I'm like, yeah, well, there's like a lot of different things that we're doing wrong. It doesn't mean we have to go out and murder someone like is that doesn't add up. And frankly, other people are. So, <laughs> you know, no. Yeah. And I just told somebody that like anti-blackness, like, it gets to a point where you're using it as like a source of reason. It makes so much sense in your head that you're like, ah, yes, this makes all the sense in the world. But you were just saying like, there are so many different ways that this gets perpetuated in our culture, but specifically in theater, how do you as an ally, especially someone like you who has a platform, people look up to you, you're known in the community, but then also how do people who may not be on that level, but are still allies or still want to be allies, how do they, stand up when they see things like this going on in the theater community because there are so many microaggressions in the theater community that no one talks about and it's like and those people are usually on their own when it comes to defending themselves so how do allies stand up in those settings absolutely well i think i think that a there are so many microaggressions specifically in theater that i grew up um hearing that i actually didn't know were microaggressions like didn't know right? Like if, if a, if a black person specifically black was cast in a role that other people felt like, oh, well, that was my role to lose or, oh, well, da 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 And like, yes, before you ask, they were white and we are white, right? <laughs> um, but you know, they would be like, oh, 
well, this person only got it because they're, they're black or they're, they're a minority. Oh, this person only got it because they're black or they're a minority. And I'm sure there were those conversations where at times I was probably like, oh, like, I, I guess I, I guess. Right. But it was always the right person for the role. Right. Mm. So my presence in those conversations is a microaggression that is like me being there and being like, "Mm, actually, no, (laughs) is a form of racism and perpetuating that. Right. And at the time I didn't know that I thought I was maybe just having a conversation with a friend. Right. But that is literally how racism is perpetuated specifically in our theatrical community. Mm-hmm. So I think that, I think a couple different things. I think that A, you cannot be afraid to speak up or to say mm. something. I struggle with that a lot because I have anxiety. So I'm scared to speak up about things in the first place. <laughs> um, and that has been yes. really, really difficult for, for specifically just me to navigate because I'm always like, <clears throat> I'm like, how do I get out words? <laughs> yeah. But actually yes. what has helped me so much <clears throat> is the fact of the matter that I'm seeing so many of my friends speak up. I am actually so much more inspired to speak up and to speak out, right? And I've also noticed that the more that I do specifically on social media, because obviously like we're unemployed right now, um, which is really hot, but you know, specifically on social media, when I speak up, I've noticed that I get two kinds of responses. One response is, how could you be supporting these things? Are you kidding me right now? Are you blah, 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 blah. And I've learned to not go back at those comments with, Hi, let me tell you, I've learned to go back at those comments with, hey, thanks so much for reaching out. Um, You know, I I support the equity and equality of black and brown bodies. And currently in our state as a human race and also just specifically as a government and as a country, they are not seen as equals for some reason. And that's an issue. So if you'd like to talk more about this, please reach out. Um, But I'm sending you love and positivity. Here's an article that you can read that I think might help because it helped me, right? So I've learned to do that, um, which I think is really, really helping because so many people, when they come back at a statement, that racism comes from a lack of empathy, comes from a lack of empathy. It comes from a place where their whiteness specifically is challenged. Okay. And when our whiteness is challenged, and I know this because I am white and I have felt this shit before, when our whiteness is challenged, we go on the defense immediately because that's what we are taught to do. We are taught that we are perfect individuals and we are the American dream and we're fine and everybody's fine and everybody's equal, right? Not true. Not true. There's a different kind of response that I get. I get the 13 year old girl out of fucking, sorry, I cussed so much out of, out of Minnesota who is like, Hey, you know, I just posted something that I thought, um, you know, in support of Black Lives Matter and and in support of defunding the police. And I got so much backlash from a family member who reached out to me and was like, you are way too young to be speaking on these issues and da, 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 da. And it broke my heart. And I reached out to her and I was like, hey, babe, I was like, listen, you're 13, I'm 20. People are still telling me that. I'm 20 years old. I live on my own. I pay my own rent. I support myself. And people are still telling me that, right? People who are uncomfortable with the conversation are people who are going to tell you to shut up. I told her, I was like, listen, you are never too young to fight for human lives. I was like, do not ever let somebody put you in a box for trying to fight for other human lives. 
right? So I think that for me, social media has been really helpful. It's also challenged me a lot because I notice that I go to share something and I'm like, is this going to be perceived the right way? Am, is, is this offensive actually? Because sometimes I see things and I'm like, oh God, I don't feel like that's right. But then a friend of mine will be like, you guys need to do this. And I'm like, oh, like with the whole black square thing, when that all started, I was so hesitant to do it because I was like, this feels oddly performative. And I know that's probably not the intent because I know the origin of where it comes from, but I can feel that there are going to be a lot of people that look like me posting this black square and being like, I am a fucking activist. Sure enough, it did happen. (laughs) And I actually ended up posting the damn thing because I was like, oh, I see one of my friends being like, hey, could you guys just fucking post a square? Like, if you can't do that for Black Lives Matter, then like, what's up? And I was like, no, you're totally right. Like, I will fight to the death for you. Um, But it, it has challenged me in that sense because I'm always like, how should I navigate, right? And something that I heard recently was like, listen, you're going to make mistakes in being an ally. You can't not make mistakes. You have to make mistakes. The only way we grow is by making mistakes. So for me, I've just been like, okay, cool. If I make a mistake and someone calls me out on it, I will gladly accept that. Say, thank you so much for reaching out to me. Thank you so much for taking your time specifically out of your day to be like, yo, I think this might be da-da-da, and here's why, blah-da-da. That, to me, is helpful because I can't educate myself on black and brown experiences because I'm fucking white. <laughs> I don't understand, right? I can I only have my Twitter timeline to try and empathize with my friends who are more than willing to speak out and 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 let their experiences be heard from their trauma, which is a gigantic privilege to me specifically as a white girl to be able to read, right? Um but I think I think there's there's you know, there's levels to this shit, right? And there's there's no cookie at the end. There's no end. There it is a it is a ongoing it is an ongoing fight, right? Like as we see, you know, social media start to trans transform back into normal day-to-day lives and whatever that may be, I'm having to try and understand that, yes, our careers are still going to happen, right? We still have to pay our rent, but we also have to implement this fight into our daily life, right? It has to become it has to become the normal where it was not before for me specifically. And for a lot of people, I'm sure. So, you know, like when we have to do like, I don't know, like specifically I have to like pay my rent. Right. So I have to do like brand deals and things like that. So I was on the phone with um, one of, one of the people on my team and I was like, all right, listen, like how do I navigate this and make sure that I am still working on something I care about while working on myself, right? So there are ways to marry this into our lives. And we have to do that as white people and white people with platforms and white people who are performers specifically, because this is not just like, oh, thank God there were a couple weeks of activism on Twitter and we're done. Like, no, it's not. It's not. Yes, I agree. And I think it's so important to say, like how you were saying reading as a white person, like you can read all you want, but you're still like, there are still questions. And I think it's really important to read and do your best to educate yourself so that you can be informed when you enter the conversation with your friends 
and family of color, you know, so you can get to the bottom of these issues. But it's not really helpful if you really don't do your part to at least, you know, if you have to have questions, you know, and it's like there are answers. There's this wealth of information for you to really do your your research and then you can bring the questions to the people that you care about and and really have good informed conversations that are productive rather than just okay I could have googled that and and we could have gotten further in our conversation that way and I also have a question in terms of allyship as you know we're in this time of COVID moving into IRL specifically um, if you walk into a rehearsal room and you see, you know, one of your scene partners or your cast members witness, like you see them experiencing injustice or a microaggression, like in the rehearsal room or, you know, backstage in the middle of a show, how do you think you can and will respond in those moments? Sure. I think, um, I think a couple of different things. A, what I have also been learning that is really um, helpful to me and is also something that I'm trying to navigate and I will probably always have to try and navigate it as a white girl specifically is to speak with a voice, not for a voice, right? Like this is not specifically, this is not my fight to be the, like the white savior, like that complex really rubs me the wrong way. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. So a speaking with a voice, not for is very, very helpful for me to remind myself of um, because like as a passionate person, I'm always going to be like, We're and actually it's like, okay, Renee, mm -hmm -hmm. reel it back, reel it the fuck back. Okay. Um, and then also in those situations, reading the comfortability of the room, it, I think is going to potentially bode well in the theatrical industry because there are so many people and this is okay because this is well it's not okay but this is where we are right now there are so many people that will go on the defense or use that time to come back even harder at someone who is being targeted right so i am going to have to speak up with this this person or individual or human being or multiple right and i'm also going to have to understand that it is not my fight but it is my fight to help it is my fight to change it is it is not personally my time to you know exude my white saviorism or my whiteness right it is my time to be like hey fellow white person do you understand that what you have just done is a form of racism or this, this did not feel good to this person, right? Because a lot of times where the disconnect is, is that lack of empathy and that lack of understanding, right? Because then this person is more than likely going to go back in their shell and be like, well, that's not what I meant. So why are you taking it? And it's like, actually, no, it's, it's not the origin of what you meant. It's not your intent. It's what it did it's what it did and it's what it continues to do, right? So I think that for me, I have to remind myself that it is it is not cool to just sit back and let this person fight their fight because as a white person, it's, it, is, it is my fight in the regard to fix something. It is, it is not on that person who is being um, attacked, essentially. It's not their job anymore. It is my job. It's my job because I look like the way I do. It's the director's job. It's everyone's job who looks like me. 
right? So it's having to, um, having to walk the line of not speaking for this person, but speaking with to fix the job that I have created, to be quite honest, and that people who look like me have created and perpetuated for X amount of years. Um, So I think that we really just have to swallow, (laughs) swallow that pride and be like, hi, you cannot do this. And here's why. Can I help you better understand this? Right. Do you want to have a conversation outside of the workplace so I can help you? Because I understand as a white person where you're coming from, just because I see your thought process, but I'm here to tell you that it is incorrect. Um, and it, it is harmful to somebody else because again, it's, it's, it's a lack of empathy. It's a lack of, it's a lack of knowledge and it's a lack of understanding and, and really just like a complacency and privilege. Right. That's, that I think is just that that's huge to me. Yeah. I, there are a couple things you just said that I loved chef's kiss. Um, first of all, advocating with, and not instead of advocating for, I've gone on record to say this. I don't need white, my white friends to text me saying that they're an ally. I don't need you to tell me that I'm, that you're an ally. I don't need you telling your friends of color that you stand with this. Cause we already know, like we're not the people you need to be reaching out. You need to be using your privilege and going into those white spaces because they they're odd like automatically they're going there's going to be a field up if i'm in the room automatically you're going to have the, those walls built you know but like if somebody that's white kind of like sneaks in you know what i'm saying like finds their little their little way to be that little trojan horse or whatever and like shows like hey i'm a white person we're cool we're all white people together and then like uses that to really break past some of those defenses and actually get to the source of what their bias is coming from because I think that's the biggest problem is those walls are so built up that they're not willing to be challenged because that's everyone across the world hates being wrong no one likes being wrong I totally agree it's the difference I think I think specifically it's the difference between like weaponizing your privilege and like using your privilege for a good um, for a good conversation, right? Use your, use your privilege to dismantle your privilege, essentially. You know what I mean? Like, it's like we, we have, uh, privilege is literally a weapon. It, it is a weapon and it can be weaponized in a negative way, right? Which is why we see like all these like Karen videos on the internet, right? Because I, growing up, I used to think that the person to fear was the white man. And now I'm understanding that it's actually the white woman who walks in her segregated feminism heels, truly. Um, and I never understood that. I, re- I will never forget. Somebody told me that there is racism in, in white feminism, like maybe a year ago. And I was like, what? I was like, wait, what are you talking about? I was like, how, what, what? And then recently in like a couple months ago, I read an article on Harper's Bazaar, I think by Rachel Cargill. And it was like, white feminism is white supremacy in heels. And I was like, whoa. And when you read into it, you fucking get it. It is intense, right? Because we truly are. We, I am oppressed and I'm also the oppressor. So I have the ability to weaponize my privilege, right? It is the most intense weapon in the world, period, period. It is an armed weapon. It is a smoking gun if you so choose to use it that way, right? Now, what you can also do is you can put your fucking gun down and you can be like, hey, not okay. I am going to use my privilege to dismantle my privilege and the, the, the platform that it sits on and the platform that feeds that privilege because it, it truly can be weaponized and it is weaponized all the time as we've seen it. 
Yeah, and that's I just read something, and it was like Amy Cooper is uh, Amy Cooper, the woman who at Central Park called the cops on that black man who was just a bird watcher minding his business, as black people tend to do, mind their business. Um, she is a liberal woman. That is, that is the people. Because the problem with liberal white women or liberal white people in general is that they think because they're liberal, because they voted for Obama, or because they didn't vote for Trump, that that puts them on the level where they can't be racist but usually it's those microaggressions that get to people the quickest and that perpetuate that systemic racism even further it's not necessarily the outward like super country i hate black people that that's we already know what we know how to look for those people i like and i used to tell me my my family used to joke about that like i like the racist people that i can see the ones that are outwardly i don't like you great you don't like me i know that now it's the ones that are like oh i like i have like i i have a black boyfriend i'm (laughs) what i'm an ally what Right. When I think, I think there's specifically like for me, like there, there's a huge level of complacency in that, that I didn't even understand until I, until I moved to New York actually, because then I was able to get out of my previous environment in school. Um, and, and not in school, but like, you know, in, in our education system period, because it is everywhere. Okay. Um, and you know, I, I don't know, I don't know necessarily what it took and maybe it was just me growing up. Maybe it was me like, you know, navigating different um, interpersonal relationships and friendships, but it took me a really long time to understand that like, you know, as, as forward thinking as I claimed to be when I was younger, and I probably was way more so than a lot of people who lived around me in Podunk, North Carolina, but you know, I, I don't know. It's just, there's, there's so much that until you uncover, you don't know. And that is exactly what we're taught. We're taught to not know. We're taught to be complacent in that nature, right? We're taught to, we're taught that like, this is okay. And I refuse to perpetuate a world like that. I I refuse to bring children into this world one day and allow them to be complacent in their racial bias and in their any sort in their like gender bias. And there's like there's there's so much that we are so complacent in because we're trained to be. And there's so much that I have been complacent in that I refuse to let happen again. Understanding in yourself that you were an ally is not the same as actually going out and clocking people and making a difference and having conversations with with the other white people in your life. You know, that is complacency in itself. Even if you feel that you're an ally, are you being an ally if you're not making the effort to create conversations with the people that it matters most to, you know? Like, there's no, no like like, I don't need to change Elena's mind about the fact that racism is bad and there's racism happening in the world. Like I need to change the mind of, of my family, like members of my family and people that I love very much. And while those conversations are difficult to have, if a conversation is really difficult, then it's probably one that you should have and is worth having. And will get easier if we keep having those difficult conversations, right? Like there's that same difficult conversation, the more that you continue to have it and let that conversation evolve, the easier it will get because there's no way that as a human being who cares about all of human 
all all human uh, what am i saying all humanity right there's no way that the more that you hear and understand you can turn a blind eye to that if you truly love human beings for for who they are right it's it's uh, i don't even know it it always it always it always used to puzzle me right like i remember being in school and um of course, we'd have like the one month in February that like for the first time we would talk about any sort of black history. And of course, all we talked about was slavery because that's literally all um, anybody knows. So um, we, you know, we would be in school and, and talking about that. And I used to sit there thinking, I used to be like, God, if I was alive in that time, how the fuck would I ever, would I live? Like, I was like, I was like, how could I wake up in the morning knowing that that's going on and, 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 and not do something about it. Like how I just remember being so effing furious in like fifth grade. And I was like, how does this happen? How do these people sit back and watch? Right. And then a couple months ago, I was like, this has been happening under my nose for the last 20 years right here right here, not in that exact same forum, right? But in different forums, in, in, in the prison system, okay? In the police system, in the education system, it's all happening, it's just legal. And it yeah. was legal back then, right? So it's protected, it's under a blanket, right? So that's exactly why I was never like, oh, and can you imagine? I don't know what it was like to be like white way back then, but I'm sure that it was like under a blanket and like, oh, this is cool. Cause like, this is how I live, right? So now I'm like, oh, okay, okay, okay. So the fifth grade self is, is coming out. Thank God, right? So it's- mm. Even now I'm still learn unlearning anti-blackness in my own life. In regards to my friends, like, um, I was just talking to somebody, like, in the educational system and in the theatrical system specifically, like, black women are taught, you, there's only one of you in this show. And so if there's another black woman auditioning with you, she's automatically your competition. Instead of embracing her and uplifting her as you should, it's like, nope, because there can only be one of us. It's like crabs in a barrel kind of thing. Like, only one of us can make it out of here. And, like, it... It's about knowing that it's not done. Kind of what you said, like, it's not going to end. When people are asking, oh, when can I stop posting about social justice on my Instagram story? Girl, it doesn't end. You can stop posting whenever you want. That's not going to mean it's over. Right, exactly. Well, and it's, it's. I think that, I think that so many people too probably um, think that, like, this is like that social that civil justice specifically is different from their lives like they're completely different entities right so when people are like i'm so tired of hearing about this i want to go back to like the pictures of the beach and the pictures of blah 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 and like da 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 da, da. it's like actually like what you can do is like do both like i'm like it's you should just want to ingrain this into your normal life and your white spaces that still need to have these conversations. I totally, Abigail, like literally it is, you're totally right. It's not something that you need to tell Elena. It's something that like we need to tell like our great aunts, you know what I mean? Like this is not, this is Elena, you live this every single day, right? We don't, we don't, you, you get it. <laughs> we do not. It is in the white spaces that the work needs to be done because black people are not sitting over there like, oh yeah. Like, are you kidding me? It's not, it's not your job. It's our job. This is on us. This is on us. You fight this fight every single day. We are just now coming to the fight and being like, oh my God, right? We're late. 
we are late. We need to acknowledge that we are late as hell, but we are here now, right? But we're still late. Yes, 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 and yes. Like there's no more snooze button and it's time, it's like time to shine, you know? So that being said, um, in some part, if you have any parting thoughts, what advice do you have specifically for our listeners about how they can navigate perhaps if you're a listener and you're somewhere in your journey journey of allyship and allyship is a journey and it's never over as we're saying right so what advice do you have for our listeners if they're dealing with these moments of discomfort and unease or navigating self-reflection especially in theater and everywhere else you know yeah Uh, no totally i think that a like know that know that you're going to make mistakes, right? Know that you're probably going to say the wrong thing or, or take the wrong action. Um, or, you know, you're going to text your friend and just tell them you love them. And like, maybe they don't really need to hear that right now. Okay. And that's okay. That's okay. You have to make mistakes in order to get better. Okay. You have to overcome those things to know better. Right. Um, I think also know that, know that a lot of people right now are probably fighting with their families or are terrified to fight with their families. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. And, you know, I know that's like, that's easy for me to say because of the kind of parents that I have, but, you know, don't allow yourself to have those conversations because you know that they are literally vital to other people living to other people living. Also, it should not take us saying, oh my God, well, imagine if this person was my wife or imagine if this person was my sibling or imagine if this person was my friend to empathize with black and brown bodies. It should not take that. You should empathize because they are human beings. They don't have to be your fucking friend, okay? So uh, just a couple of those things. And also knowing that you can always learn more. Please don't ever be like, yep, got it all. I'm good in a box. It doesn't, it doesn't end. It doesn't end. Implement these practices into your normal life, into your postings, right? That's, that's the whole thing with like social media. Implement these practices into your posting. How can you, you know, be like, hi, my life now includes Black Lives Matter because they do need to be together they need to be one just like you would fight just like just like i would fight for body neutrality constantly i'm also adding black lives matter to that fight because it needs to be there right like just like you're gonna push for like i don't want the man to tell me what to do cool you should also push for i don't want white people to tell black people what to do okay implement these fights into your daily practices because they are literally vital it is not an option it is not an option and if it does feel like an option for you i would highly suggest you unpack that with a white friend who could potentially help you right it's not your black friend's job to educate you anymore i promise there are so many things that they have written typed up taken videos of on the internet where you can understand they have already done the work for us literally they made it so easy all we have to do is go watch or read or listen, if you have a question, fucking Google it. Or ask ask your white friend. I don't care. DM me. I don't care. DM me. If you have a question, DM me. I'm probably going to see it because right now that's literally all I'm doing. Okay? It's, it's, it's okay to keep learning. It's okay. And I love what you said about like 
Google exists. I promise. I promise you do not have to text me and ask me what an, what a microaggression is. Like, like if you want to, I'm fine. Like, reach out to your POC friends with pure intention and with direct intention. If you want to reach out and be like, hey, this moment happened between us five months ago. I want to know if this made you uncomfortable. And if it did, I want to apologize. But I want to know if it made you uncomfortable so I can know that I'm do like when I'm perpetuating microaggressions and I don't know it. Like those are the times you should reach out to your POC friends when you're checking to see how you personally, if you've personally hurt them or if you just want to know, like if if you're just just talk to them as a normal friend, just like, hey, I love you. I hope you're doing well. Not, hey, girl, I'm an ally. But hey, I love you. I just want to know that you're doing well. Like making sure that the the POCs, blacks, black artists specifically right now are so drained. Every black artist I'm talking to right now is so drained. They're so tired because they fought this fight for so long. But now they're constantly having to repeat themselves on a loop every single day to say the same things to different people who don't want to listen. And so approach those people with grace. Know that they are trying their best and don't expect them to fix your bias don't expect them to fix your problem right and it's also like you know and not this is just what i've heard one of my friends say so not to speak on behalf of but it is like um reliving trauma it it's it's reliving traumatic experiences right that are still continuing to happen so asking someone to relive their trauma or unpack their trauma that's a big ask that's a big ask. So I love what you said about make sure your intentions are pure. Um, because also like there's, there's a whole thing of, and, and again, like I'm an anxiety ridden human being. So I'm constantly like trying to check myself in real life. So it's actually quite helpful right now. (laughs) Um, but there's, there's, there's the thing with specifically, um, non POC individuals and, and white people, especially in white girls, it's like, okay, let's take the time and let's sit down and let's understand what's performative and what's not, right? And if there's like a gray area for you where you're like, I don't know if I'm being performative, that's okay. Check, check your intentions, right? If your intentions are there, I guarantee you're not, right? But it is also okay to try and look inward and be like, okay, why am I doing this? Why do I feel the need to do this? Do I care about what I'm doing or do I care about how it looks? Right. Cause there's, there's all of that. And essentially social, mm, can't talk social media specifically as a platform is performative. Right. So there is a very thin line to toe. Um, I think just, you know, be, be aware. And you know, if you're, if you're reposting things, that's rad, have those conversations on and off screen. Cause it does not stop with your friends on social media who all agree with you and think the same way. Right. It, it is, it's with your distant relatives who don't think the same way, or maybe your close relatives. I don't know your situation, but you know, <laughs> get it. <laughs> Help. <laughs> yes. And nobody has to hear if you have a moment where you have to clock yourself and say, Oh, that thing that I said, I don't think that was very sound of me. Like, was that a microaggression? Nobody has to hear that inner dialogue that you're having with yourself you can clock yourself and no one else has to know and that's okay you are free but at the same time please reach out and talk to the other people in your life and ask for help if you need it but you know if you have a moment where you do have to clock yourself that's totally okay and that's where it all begins there's there's an uh, there's a copious amount of growth in personal reflection and accountability there's there's so much right 
There's so much. That's, that's been the biggest thing for me is like getting over, like realizing things that I may have said or done or didn't say or didn't do and being like, Oh my God, I am going straight to hell. Like those first 10 minutes, I'm like, God, I am such an awful person. And right. And then the next 10 minutes I'm like, okay, I know not to do that again. I know not to do that again. Now I know what to do. Now let me go find a, a write-up or a video that I can watch to help me better understand what to do instead of that, right? So there's there's so many resources that, you know, we we don't have an excuse. And that's a good thing. We shouldn't. <laughs> Yes. 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 Miss Renee, Miss Renee Rapp, we love you so much over here <laughs> at Fourth Wall. We want to thank you for coming here. Before we go, we want you to plug some socials. If you're white and you want to hear social justice from another white person because that makes you more comfortable, and Renee, where can they find you? <laughs> oh, my God. You can, uh, you can find me on Instagram at Renee MJ. MJ. Um, and you can find me on Twitter. It's something... Um, I think it's Renee MJ or maybe Renee Rap. It's something along those lines. You'll find it. Um, and I, yeah, I think that's like it. Is that all that I do? Probably. I'm I'm unemployed, so you can just catch catch me catch me catch me on your timeline, essentially. Um, but I'm also teaching right now with a bunch of different platforms that you can look at. But I also highly suggest that before you take a class with me, take a class with a BIPOC artist. Thank you. Um, yeah, because you know, like I listen, I I can only give you so much. Adrian Warren deserves everything and more so i highly suggest taking a class with her or literally any other artist because they are all insanely talented and can give you a copious amount of education that i probably can't so (laughs) um take take classes with people um but only sign up for a class with me after you've taken a class with a bipoc artist please love you ah thank you renee we're gonna let you go but uh this is wonderful you're you're just so you're a star 10 out of 10 always a pleasure you guys are the best and thank you there are probably so many things that i learned today that are new to me just from talking to you guys so i really appreciate it